Steve. Hey, Chris. Man, you... I talk like this now. No, you don't. Yeah. You're Batman. I'm a CD Projekt Red protagonist. Oh, oh, you're trying to be like Geralt and stuff. Okay. Yeah, I'm really bad at it. You really are. Terrible. Because he doesn't actually talk like that. Mm. Then again, I don't think we have the correct voice for it. Yeah, I just don't have the right voice type. But anyway, so we're talking... <laughs> that was a terrible opening. You're uh, a terrible opening. Should we, should we, <laughs> I, guess, I guess we're keeping it. I guess we're keeping it. We're talking about Witcher 3 today. Because I finally played through it and beat it, like, last month. So it's been a while. Five no, years later. It's no longer fresh in my head. Of course, it's more fresh than it is in Steve's yeah. head. Who uh, you'd think would have it, like, super fresh, considering he's been haranguing me over and over about, oh, man, you got to play Witcher 3. It's incredible. It's one of the best games of the decade. And it's I. <laughs> Immediately your face. Immediately your face. <laughs> you guys you guys can't see the expression on my face right now. So utter disappointment. Utter disappointment. <laughs> so okay, so so when you say it's alright, I I I I think so there's a there's a couple factors that play into this. What we were talking about this, like what's the last triple A Western RPG you've played? That I've played? Yeah. Mass Effect 3, which left me utterly disappointed. So, if I'm a console gaming Western RPG fan, I can imagine, you know, being very disappointed with everything up until Witcher 3. And I could see why Witcher 3 would come off as, like, the salvation of big-budget Western RPGs. So what you're saying is basically... The... If you don't play enough video games, then I could see why this would seem like a big deal. Okay. I'm also being somewhat facetious. I know, I know. Somewhat before, before you even get into it, I, I mean, I think you have to... There are certain things that The Witcher 3 does very well that few other games have matched. And even, even since, have, have really matched what The Witcher 3 did. See, yes and no, because this is again where one of those things, and it's funny because I, like you're in some ways correct. You are in some ways correct because just about every game I can think of that does something comparable or, in my opinion, better, there's other stuff it doesn't do as well. Like I don't think the combat in Witcher Three is all that great. It's not. So I'd rather play Dragon's Dogma, for example, for a, a, a Western-style fantasy game with this fantasy world I love to be in because I get to climb the back of a Cyclops and hack at its neck until I have to jump off because it's about to roll onto its back and crush me under it, you know? Great stuff like that. Right. Or the problem with that is story's garbage. Like, right. So, I mean, it ends with a really cool fight on the dragon... But the story is just, eh, you're not playing it well, for the story. You're playing it to go fight monsters, basically. So, then you have, okay, well, what about story and narrative and stuff like that? Um, and here's another, like, here's an open, here we go. Open world RPG that I really enjoy, despite the fact that it's, you know, got its issues and it's incomplete. 
Final Fantasy XV. What are the side quests in that game? Eh, I mean, most of them are just, you know, really easy in the tool editor to just be like, just fight these monsters over here. Right. And then, you know, take the trip back, you know, ride on your chocobo to go back and stuff. I really liked the world, and I liked the way the world looked. But at the same time, it's like, what are, what are the quests? Uh, it's mostly about the main story kind of a thing. The main story is, you know, pulled off really well. Yeah. Um, and that's so that's 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 one one gripe I will, I, I think we can have about The Witcher. I think we can also. I feel like we can be fairly free with, with, spoilers in this on a five-year-old game. Maybe because there are still plenty of people that like me that haven't played it. Um, oh, not like we'll do big spoilers, but for to some degree, you end up caring a lot less about the final conflict in the game than you cared about most of the conflicts up to that point. Specifically, uh, Geralt's final conflict. The final boss fight, essentially. It's not against... Like... It, well, that's one of those issues where it feels like it shouldn't be his fight anyway, but that's some of what we'll get into. Right, right. Like, so, that, that's... So, that, yeah. I can, I can admit, so that's that the... The sort of the ending, the bringing everything all together, it from the point where you go, it feels kind of rushed. There's like a race to the finish in the last couple hours of the game, and it doesn't necessarily like. It's sort of like you left all this really cool, fun stuff behind to to finish the game, uh, in in some ways. In some ways, um, um, so and so I can I can I can definitely take that as a criticism of The Witcher that I think is is honest. Here's also part of where I come at it too, because to me I also because like one of the things that you bring up and a lot of people bring up is the sheer breadth of this game. Like, you could have made a game in just the Velen Novigrad area. You played Dragon Age 2? Okay, that's just Novigrad. Right. I mean, like, that whole map. Yeah. That yeah. whole map, you could do a game just of that. But then you got Skellige. And you start off in White Orchard. And I feel like I'm forgetting yet another map, actually. Like, there's a whole... Uh, there is Kara Morhen as well. Like, there, there's, like, this... The game is huge and absolutely packed with both little and, like, minor... Bullcrap blow up the monster nest quests and also more customized side quests where they tried to make sure everything had its and I just feel like this game could have been even better if it were trimmed down like this is one of those games where it's like this is game development excess they ran out of time so you can see where they had to cancel like uh, give up stuff but like it That's just like so, for me, there is such a thing as too much game, but I'm also playing a lot of games throughout the year. If you're the kind of person that buys at most like five games in a single year, this game's going to last you a while. Yeah, like, this is your game that you get to chew and, on and like just mm. right. And well, I think compared to some of these, again, we're talking about RPGs here, so 
what are so just thinking about like some of the big budget RPGs that have come out recently I'm trying to think of very many besides the I think Assassin's Creed has basically become an RPG at this point and it is um, clearly trying to imitate aspects of The Witcher as well as right. other things. And I don't know. It doesn't appeal yeah, to me at all. Um, you know, there's obviously, we, we haven't had a Dragon Age since Dragon Age 3. Inquisition. Uh, we had Inquisition. Um, Mass Effect Andromeda. Mass Effect Andromeda. So this is also, this is, a, this is a genre that's fairly thin. But one of the things about The Witcher is when you compare it to... Now, I haven't played any of... Assassin's Creed Ra Ragnarok? Valhalla. Valhalla. Viking word. Um, the... what Part of what makes The Witcher 3 work is, well, there's two aspects to the quests that I think make it more than just the breadth of the game. Because Final Fantasy XV had breadth, but it lacked it, depth. It could have had more as well, because they were clearly planning on you going throughout the second continent. Right. Uh, it could have been even right. it could have been even bigger, but it's it's kind of it's a like, shallow pool. It's it's a shallow. It's a very big pool. It's a very big kiddie pool. Very big kiddie pool. Where the Witcher has, it's sort of like with the quest, with the side quest in particular, it's it's sort of like a really unpredictable ocean shoreline, where like maybe you're on a sandbar. And this is just going to be, you know, knee-high quest. Or maybe you're going to take a step forward, and now this is like a water five feet above your head quest. Um, where there's a, lot of, there's a lot of things that go really deep in The Witcher. And the other thing that I think makes it work is, and not all the quests execute this well, the way that things are connected. So having spoken to one character before you start the quest has an effect on how dialogue plays out or possibly even how a quest plays out. If you've done, depending on the order which you tackled things, the characters that you talked to or didn't talk to, it, it kind of makes it actually feel like there's, there's consequences beyond just like, you know, I chose the good path, I chose the evil path. Um, in, in the game, in the, in, the, in the way that the world even exists. And I can't think of any other game that does that. I'm trying to chew on my answer here, because, like, part of it is, like, just because it does something doesn't mean it does it well or as good as it could do, or yada yada. And I know it sounds like I'm, like, being very nitpicky here. And in some ways that's true. Um, if I had played this game under different circumstances... That because that's part of the problem too. Like, I played this like I, I don't know how other other people do it. Like when you have like your pile, right? You have your pile of games that you've bought but you haven't played through yet. Well, this year I created a priority pile, which isn't every game that I've bought and haven't beaten, but it's the ones that like all right, these are the ones that interest me the most. I'm going to tackle these first. I want to see if by the end of 2021 I can get through all these. Um, and The Witcher Three was of course on there, and I wanted to get done it early on. And especially this early in things, I'm thinking of nothing but the games that follow after. So I'm playing Witcher 3 with the express purpose of beating it. Which is very different than playing a game because it's like, you know what, I want to try it out, it looks like a lot of fun. Where you're not thinking about how long it is, you're not thinking about how much time it takes to see the end credits roll. Um, 
And so I was already in some way sabotaging my own experience because anything that kept the game from getting done sooner was viewed like, oh god, I gotta do more of this. And that's not a good way to go through a game. I will openly admit to that. At the same time, I was also enjoying it enough that towards the end I was like, I'm gonna do a couple other quests so I can have a better chance of hitting that level 35 achievement. Because I wanted to get that level 35 achievement. Which was more difficult than I expected because it seems like the game's got some uh, calculations that run. Not only, um, like again, like reading the oh. Bob Case thing where it's like the higher level an enemy is, like, like basically if an enemy's like five levels higher than you or so, then it'll just like have this outrageous number of modifiers that make it impossible to face. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, if you're like enough levels ahead of the quest difficulty, you'll get like 10 experience. Yeah. For the entire quest. there's there's some there were some weird design decisions on the back end with stuff like that because that that just right. thing it incentivizes you to just ditch quests you didn't get to that were lower level right um, um, that that definitely is something that happens late in the game where you're like oh maybe I should go back and clean up those couple quest lines in Novigrad and you're like I'm getting one XP for this like yeah it's, it it's just like, makes it it's it's this weird thing with we've talked about it before I think with well we're talking about with Destiny. With when you when you put an incentive on something, an incentive beyond just this is fun to do, then when the incentive is bad, even if the thing is fun, it's like I don't want to do this. Yeah. <laughs> because you know whatever all I got for this stupid quest was uh, two tokens and a blue drop. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and this is the thing too. There are clearly parts of the map that I never even saw, and there's one portion of the map that because a quest took me there. I barely got to touch on like a, a, a Nilfgaard uh, camp encampment at the southern end of the map. Like I barely got to see any of that, and I think I insulted the Nilf Nilfgaard guardian guy running that camp too. Um, nice. So that's the thing. Like the the you you have this game that's that big, and. I came in with a bad, uh, a bad attitude about it, so of course I wasn't bound to get as into it as others. But this is also again like my for years I've been like this. Like I remember when we like before the Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess launched on the GameCube and Wii, right? I remember them saying like this game like has like our play testers in order to 100% it get everything in the game are playing for about 70 hours, and I remember seeing that be like, dude, that's way too much. I and, still feel like that. Man. But that's the thing. Like, I had friends that were like, dude, I wish more games were longer. And that's where you have, like, you have this weird divide. And I have no idea what developers see more of. People that equate quantity and longer playtime with, like, being more ba bang for the buck hmm. or not. Because, like, for me, like, again, like Resident Evil 2 in 2018, I technically play, you technically play the game twice. You play once as Leon, once as Claire. Um, and yet... I had a blast, you know, replaying the game had value to it. Um, I like going back and replaying games. If they're shorter, there's more incentive for me to return to that game. So, like, Witcher 3 is a game I may never, ever go back to. Cause just because it's like, I don't want to put another 60 hours into one game when I could be playing other things kind of a deal. 
If it was just a 10-hour game, then it would be like, oh, yeah, man, sure, I'll go back. Uh, but that's, like, a difference between me. And this is also yeah. where... And, and for me at this point, I mean, so... Post-DLC, I did the... You didn't play that in the DLC. Uh, I want to say I spent 109 hours on The Witcher Oof. total, which... So for me, that's like same with like Persona around the same time for Persona Five Royal. It's like I love this game, but I'm done with it. Like I am, yeah. like unless maybe you know, well, both when games... I'm 70 years old and I'm oh, feeling gosh. nostalgic, maybe The Witcher Three will be something that I want to go back and play on an emulator. Uh, you know, the first and... thing you do during retirement, like yeah. Right, um, but it's not um, it's not something that's happening anytime soon. And the, the, the one area where I will give both of these games credit is they do have a new game plus. But at the same time, it's like... like I feel weird about new game plus in some ways, because for games like these, you, you really just get a lot of the fun out of the actual mechanics of the game. Because most of that time, like you'll be able to speed through the story... To enjoy it again, but it's like part of a game is the mechanics and is like the fun of it, and like and that's the funny thing too, because I also soured myself a little bit by starting this because I did start it before, in the beginning of 2019, I think. Um, or no, 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 I did start at the very beginning of 2020, yeah, because um, I had Game Pass. That's right, I started on Game Pass, um, but I didn't even complete White Orchard, um. But this time I was like, you know what? People keep saying the combat's like not that hard. They say this, they say that. I'm going to try it on the Blood and Broken Bones difficulty. And White Orchard was actually quite enjoyable on that difficulty. And then I get into Velen and everything. And this is like even for a game that expects you to do the... like, like It's kind of a reverse too. Like for all the side quests, once you get into Velen, you have to do the main quest to be leveled up for the side quest. Everything around you right. is high There's, level. Yeah. And so you do the main quest and you still feel a bit underleveled. And especially, like, you you meet, like, a Foglet for the first time. And I thought it was a group of enemies. I didn't understand how the Foglet worked because right. I'd never played the game before. Dude wrecked me. I think that happens to everybody with the, the Foglet the first time you run into it. Yeah, but on normal difficulty, it's like I, went, I, I dropped the difficulty down and I went and I fought it again. No problem. Right. It's like the, the difficulty level made that much difference on this thing. And like, at that point it became clear, this game's not going to be all that fun if I haven't already gone through it and I'm playing on the hard difficulty. And so that's where it's like this weird mixture where the combat wants you to be like, all right, I'm going to prepare this oil. I'm going to go in with this potion and this concoction. I'm going to do all this. But then it's like... The stuff like the oils run on limited quantity, so like in the middle of battle, I'll be going into the menu, like reusing the oil, and it takes me out of the experience a bit. And then it's like I don't really, I didn't really use concoctions but, at all. So and then so this is I feel like maybe one point of disconnect there, where as a longtime Western RPG person, a lot of the older you know, well, specifically, like, the isometric ones. But then even, like, you know, thinking back to Mass Effect 1, that was just, like, pausing and 
you know, reconfiguring, going into planning a radio your next menu. move. Going into mm-hmm. a radio menu is different than having to jump into the menu, flip to the right pages you need, and then apply the oil again. No, I mean, I can I can recall, like, doing things. Like, now I'm not talking about just, like, a radio menu. Mass Effect was more like a radio menu. I'm thinking yeah. of stuff like, you know, in, in games like Baldur's Gate, where you might be, like, flipping out equipment and stuff, like, oh, I needed this... I wanted this weapon plus two against goblins to clear the adds, and now I want this, which is a stronger overall sword, to go fight the, you know, whatever, the ogre that was in the middle of all the kobolds, or, I don't know, you know, like, that kind of stuff. So well, the was, funny thing is, you mentioned that, and now I'm thinking to actually Bloodborne, of all things. But that's where it was like, I remember me and Nolan playing that co-op, and I'm like, alright, we're about to fight the boss, he's gonna be weak to this, so let me get bulb paper in my quick select and everything like that. You prepare before the fight, but then in the fight, it's just button clicks away, and you're able to, like, quickly, like, yeah. recharge your paper, bulb paper, recharge your fire paper, you're, like, you're able to do this stuff within the fight without going into a menu. And, and that's, I mean... I think that I mean that's definitely a fair complaint. I I guess for me, it just evoked older times of of menus and things like that. Where I was, I guess also I feel like you maybe to some degree went into it expecting the combat to be sort of like a souls light combat almost. Was well, that, at that point, no, not at that not, point. not at that point, but early but, on, your initial expectation. Uh, not really. I mean, I wasn't really... I don't know what to say to expect. Because I always knew it wasn't going to live up to, again, Dragon Dragon's Dogma. It wasn't going to live right. up to that. And I knew it wasn't going to be like Dragon's Age, Dragon Age. Because even on console, Dragon Age Origins, it wasn't really a hack and slash. Um, and I knew it wasn't going to be like Devil May Cry. It wasn't going to be like Bang. Right, right. It wasn't going to be like any of those action RPGs. Definitely wasn't going to be a Souls-like. Because Soul, like, for all its RPG trappings, Bloodborne is an action game. Yeah. Um, I guess, yeah. What I, I guess I was expecting something that was more tactically interesting because once I dropped the difficulty, the vast majority of combat became igni, swing, swing, dodge, swing, swing, dodge, parry if it's a human, um, and once igni recharges, so, launch igni again. So here's once in a while. Once in a while, like the wraiths, you use the 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 trap. Which one is that one? Quen? No, Quen's the the shield. So every once in a while, you use like the trap one for the wraiths or something, or some other kind of yeah. enemy in order to slow them down. Um, actually, when I unlocked the alternate for that, where it became my um, lightning trap, I used that more often. But that's only against certain enemies, or that's useful. Otherwise, you're opening yourself up to get hacked to, hacked to bits. Yeah, but it's so- like. For the most part, I just stuck with those, like, like Igni. Right, basic. So, I think part of the issue here, too, is you... I am significantly worse at um, character action. Any game where parrying... Almost, almost in every case, if there's a game and parrying is a core part of the combat, I am going to be bad at it. <laughs> that is not a mechanic I am ever good at. Parry is just not my thing. The only game, two games, two games I was good at it. Heavenly Sword, which I don't understand why, there was just something about that game that clicked for me. One of the few game, one it was only like four hours long, so that helped. One of the few games I've actually gone back on the hardest difficulty and beaten after completing it on the normal difficulty. I think I maybe beat it three times. 
but it was short. Um, and Demon Souls, after playing it for who knows how many hours, I finally got the parrying down. But and so if that, it, that's a weird one, yeah. So so for me, I never found the combat easy. Um, I'm also bad at like sidestep versus dodge. That's just you mean like okay? Because when I said dodge, I meant sidestep because right. then there's roll. And why you have two completely separate things, of which roll is sometimes... Actually, you know when roll is really useful? The only time roll is really useful is uh, against bigger enemies like the Griffins. Right, yeah. And you want to roll out of the way of their attack. And that's, that is Where slightly you want... character action because it's like you can roll through its attack rather than having to completely avoid its hitbox. They did at least learn, like, whoever yeah. designed the combat at least understood that much um, for good game kind of design and like, co a combat system feeling good. Don't make it realistic. Make it fun. And that's where yeah. some of the combat as well, for me, like, that's one of the things, too, is the... I couldn't always predict Geralt's sword swings because every once in a while the game decided, okay, now he's going to do this big cinematic, like thrust through their gut then kick them off his blade and it's like i didn't press an execution button it just decided it just decided, decided to now do that. is the time for an execution so it's like it's like this weird inconsistency of timing so it's like sometimes i have enough time to attack before they do other times i don't and that also gives you a, an invincibility window as i recall that does when he does the finisher if he does the finisher that's the thing. Again, like, the way they tried to program the combat to look cinematic at times means there are some swings that Geralt will be able... Like, See, that's the thing. I just don't think too hard about that stuff. I never thought about, like... like well, I oh, stopped like, this thinking is, that hard about right. it as well. I, I just never thought that hard about it. Granted, I also got high enough in level I didn't really need to most of the time. I feel like my... So, for me, the combat was basic prep. If I knew I was going in or against higher-level enemies... And then mostly a lot of mashing, knowing that you know you you can block, you dodge dodge monsters, block humans. Yeah, sidestep monsters, parry or block humans. See, I think that's I I hardly ever use the sidestep, which probably screwed me up. Which means my stamina was low because the dodge uses stamina, and it, it probably just made the entire combat more difficult for me that I never. Well, it used took me a while to get back used to it as well properly. because it's like I, I was dodging a lot, and it's like this takes me out of range of the enemies so many right. times. Like this is what's the point of this? And then I discovered the sidestep, and it's like oh, oh, that's the actual like what you want to use. So it's like that's a weird bit, and, and I could tell talking because my brother started playing the original Witcher when I started playing The Witcher Three, and we talked about it a bit, and that's part of the funny thing where like he's talking about the original witcher where the oil doesn't rub off but it's like you got to go to campfire and prepare there's no like right before this witcher 3 is far more streamlined which is right. probably one of the reasons it may managed its um managed to become so big and more mainstream because it is more streamlined combat but i think they like sacrificed interesting decisions or again made weird decisions to make it feel I don't know, like, they weren't streamlining? Like, again, like, why does this oil on my blade wear out after 20 swings? Like, why, just just because it does? Like, why can't I just have that until I switch to the next oil? Like, why does it have to be that? Or, like, 
wipe it. Like I don't know. Like it's yeah. it's like one of these like unnecessary things that doesn't make the combat more interesting. It just makes it take a little bit longer once you have to switch back into the menu. Um, yeah. But it's one of those things where I mean, basically, so the combat's sufficient is the way I'll put it. Witcher Three combat is sufficient. It's not bad. I struggle to say it's good, but I'm also again like I'm unable to compare it fairly because I'm still going to be like even if I know it's a completely different type of game, I'm still going to compare it to games that just did, that's where they specialize with the combat. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I I definitely so like I played Dragon's Dogma a little bit and. I didn't really. I just. I didn't really like the. I didn't get into the combat. I don't know how long I played. Probably not long enough to have actually gotten a chance to appreciate the combat. Probably not. But I mean, I was sold in that opening prologue mission. Like when you're just playing the regular Sword and Shield Knight. Like I just mm. like. I like fighting that Chimera man. Like I don't. I, I see that felt like that felt me- like this felt sloppy and messy to me for some reason. You and Nolan both, it's amazing the games and you'll be like, I can't forgive this jank. And then you'll be like, oh man, I love this janky garbage game. And I'm just like, what, what is wrong so, with but, you guys? So, but, so, okay. So, compared to Dragon's Dogma, it felt like a... Even if the combat was good, it just... And there was some cool cinematic stuff. It just sort of felt like... A bland RPG. Like it just I can't see that because it's like this is finally an RPG like like I still remember like, the, the opening sequence. Oh. The opening sequence was really cool. And We're talking it, more than five years ago. I'm remembering this game. And it's like, okay, if you're fighting a chimera, climb onto its back, get that tail cut off, because it's gonna spray the battlefield in poison gas. And then you want to go after the go-head or something like that. Like, I'm thinking of all these little strategies that come up just from the just watching how these enemies behave and your screw-ups. Or, you like, you want to talk about, like, emergent gameplay kind of a thing. Cresting a hill at night and seeing the torchlights of a bunch of goblins fighting a cyclops that's, like, illuminated by the light beneath them. Beneath them. Like, just awesome, amazing stuff. And it's like, yes, it's in this generic... Western RPG looking world just like The Witcher 3 but holy crap these monsters in these moments like and the fact that the troll will uh, primarily go after the female targets in your party like they will pick them up and run away with them kind of a thing because trolls have a like like that kind of thinking towards the monsters and their behavior and stuff like that and you're sitting there like see I I never got far enough to see something like that happen with me I would have thought that was cool but anyway the the point being what what the Witcher got right with the Witcher 3 in particular got right was the world not the world as a you know like a, a playable entity, but the word just the world. The, the I think the, I get um, what you're saying because again, like 
and it's funny because my article on my blog about the the, the immersion with the wordsmiths, right. um, yeah, the, where I'm talking about the the, the, blacksmiths. the, the blacksmiths, like every time, um, and I'm like, yeah. why do I do this? Why can't I just jump into a menu? Where part of it is like the difference of priority and immersion kind of a thing. Because my brother, I think, would be on your side of it. I think because me and him, because he even told me like, you know. He's playing The Witcher 1, and we're talking about a game that doesn't even have as good a graphics, you know, by far. And he's like, he had such a sense of presence, a, such, a, such a sense of place, and I could get that. I can understand that, and watching, like, I went back and actually rewatched the Noclip documentary on the development of The Witcher 3. And I'm watching these people talk about building the world and build the, building the houses, and, you know, having the thought and consideration to be in parts of Velen or, yeah, Velen. And they're like, we're going through these houses and they got, you know, they're talking about how starving they are. They've got sausage hanging. So it's like, no, 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 we got to get rid of stuff because this place has a famine. We need to make sure it looks like there's a famine going on. Um, they, they took care in how this world looks. They took care in when you go into Novigrad, the poor areas look like the poor areas, the wealthy areas look like the, yeah. the wealthy areas. Like, they, it feels like a place and if J.R.R. Tolkien was a game designer he'd design a world with the kind of attention to detail that CD Projekt Red did with Witcher 3 and and so that's to me that can make a game more engaging in some and sometimes just by that and sometimes you don't even notice like you didn't I didn't notice that there were no sausages hanging from the ceiling where they're having a famine, but there's it's these there's a lot of these inconsequential. You details. probably would have noticed if they complain about being hungry, and then you're like, you got food right I had there. A sausage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you got food right there, man. What are you hungry about? Like, if you were going right. through their barrels and you were looting like pies and stuff, like it was fable, you know, like something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Fable is the comparison point that I should make. Fable, because there are aspects of Witcher 3 that reminded me of Fable, but without the sense of humor, and without the same degree of fairy tale fantasy. Mm -hmm. That, I, I'm sorry, like it just occurred Fable, to me. Fable, yeah. I can, I can definitely see there's aspects, it's, well in some ways it's, there's, it's less so, because there's not, it doesn't have that same, so Fable, you know, Whatever, depending on how you look, you can make people like cower in fear or like whatever. You know, all those different oh, things. Oh, it doesn't have that. Oh, well, I, I, I meant more have, the combat. Doesn't have that, the combat. Oh, you mean the combat. Okay. But I mean in general that, that Fable is another game that tried to have... I don't know. There's I can see there's just certain world building things about Fable that... Yes. And there's also the element of... um. Like, it really hit me when I think I was uh, playing the one mission where you have a race against the Baron. And just, like, guys in the background, like, one of them was just like, yay, or something like that. And, like, the way it was done, I was like, that kind of thing happens in Fable all the time. This game is like a serious version of Fable. Jeez. Like, it, it really does have a lot of that similarity. It's kind of funny because it's like, if you liked Fable, you might like The Witcher. Unfortunately, it's like long enough that I don't remember like enough specifics about Fable, but I feel like Fable, your magic powers were much more, like even if you're playing a more fighter-oriented character, your magic powers were much more prominent, and therefore it felt like... 
Oh yeah, I, I mean, had more like in the options. original in the original fable. I, my character was like, I basically learned one spell, the one where you slow down time. Yes, and it's a very was, useful one. Otherwise, I was just a straight fighter. So I was like this huge. I was basically Geralt. Because I was this... Geralt. 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 I always screw it up. Geralt. Geralt. I was Geralt. Because I was... The when you use the more you use magic, it makes your hair go gray fast. Yeah. So I was like this huge hulking warrior dude with gray hair from all the magic I used. So I was basically... Yeah, so... Because um, yeah, I would just slow, slow down time, time. And then just kill everything. Just kill everything and then resume life as normal. Yeah. But that's an interesting... Obviously, they're in, they're incredibly different games on so many levels, but there's, there are definitely there's some DNA in there where there's intentional or coincidental. I think coincidental. Maybe, maybe coincidental, but there's this idea that they're both trying to build games where you interact with the world on a deeper level than is typical in an RPG, which is in some ways ironic because Geralt as a person technically doesn't want to get involved on a deeper level and that's where i think i struggled with some of the game's quest design and some of the believe because mm -hmm. it's like here's this guy that proposes and the game kind of calls him out on it too um he, he proposes to be neutral he proposes to try and not get involved with these big events he's just there to go hunt monsters and get his pay except you get involved in these big events like right to the point that a dude asks you you effectively help decide the king or queen of Skellige like you get involved regardless right. of whether you want to or not and to some extent it's like like in this, part of it it's again like would some of these quests have been done a little bit differently if they had more time and if they cut some of the smaller ones out because there's one quest in particular, like, it's, like you talk about like stuff being deep and like unpre like unpredictable, like a sandbar or whatever, and it's like at some point the game was getting predictable. Like, here's a side quest. No matter how it ends, it's an unhappy ending. Right. And it's like, man, sometimes I just want to go kill the griffin and collect my pay. I don't want to, like, decide... I don't want to, like, uncover yeah. a truth and then either tell the truth or lie about it and either way, someone dies that doesn't need to die. Like, I... And I understand, like, this is part of the work... Because, again, like, there's a quest my brother tells me about from the original Witcher where it's like, here's the situation, here's how I decided on it. In the end, there's no good. I just went with the lesser of two evils. Well, it's like, sometimes you don't want to choose the lesser of two evils. And while every once in a while, again, like the 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 quest for Saris, Saris, yeah, Saris, Saris, and Skell, like sometimes there is a good, good, actually no, even then, even then, that quest had me like, okay, so we're talking about immersion, right? Even if you do the good end of that quest, you kill a bunch of the dude's guards, man, <laughs> like. You kill a yeah. bunch of his guards. Like, what? And what like, those guys do? It's like, yeah, exactly. It's like, well, I guess I murdered some people. But, uh, okay. Like, yeah. good ending. You gotta break like, a few eggs to <laughs> make the bacon or something. So, 
not really. But, okay. <laughs> but the the it's like one of those things, that, and again, like that's like that's probably where in a way, in a way I prefer Dragon Age Origins, I should say, because mm-hmm. Dragon Age Origins was going for the whole dark fantasy angle, but it's still Tolkien esque enough. And it's also Bioware enough that I had, like, okay, this is a clearly, I can feel good about this decision point. Because, uh, like, the evil... Because I played that game twice through in every origin. Um, no, 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 okay. Twice through. And you played games, every But basic, I also played yeah. every origin. Um, once as the, you know, poor dwarf. Once as the city elf. And the City Elf was basically, this is my Renegade playthrough. And some of those Renegade choices were dumb. Siding with the werewolves was dumb. Like, I feel like everything about that was dumb. Um, But at the same time, and that's the thing, like, Witcher 3 would have definitely executed that storyline better. But, like, at the same time, there were definitely moments where it's like... It really hit well. Like, the, the, like the, this isn't like, this isn't the right like, like this isn't a good choice, but it's not a wrong choice. It's, and I think that's part of the whole. And right, obviously, not every quest does it well. Some quests do it poorly. You know, there's some quests where it feels like there's no right right answer, or there's not even like a lesser of two evils. It's just like, well, that was awful. Reload. That was also awful. Um, but I think that part of that is is kind of getting into the idea of of the world and your role. Is the world your role, role and that, also the original novels that they're right? Well, and and this yeah this this sort of idea of of a little you know a, a twist in the myth, if you will, the taking the taking I hate you sometimes. Um, but no, and that that right, he's supposed to be this somewhat neutral arbiter who's just you know you pay him he gets the job done but it's never that never that simple um yeah so like i'm trying to one quest in particular from the witcher 2 actually that comes to mind is there's like you get paid to get rid of a succubus and it's like you can just go in and kill the succubus and I'm pretty sure that's in The Witcher 3 because I had something just like that. There, there may be some, but there, there is, this is The Witcher 2, the one I'm specific one I'm thinking of. Okay. Um, and then it's gone. Or you can figure out, okay, well, here's what's actually happening is that one of the villagers, like, summoned it and is, okay. you know, doesn't actually want it gone and other things. you got to go deal with the villager who summoned the... Or, or I'm pretty... Or you can... I'm pretty sure you can just have sex with the succubus and then she'll go away. And the witcher can survive it where it's killing all the men in town because when it has sex with a normal man, it kills it. Kills the, yeah. But, but you just like wake up drunk basically. And then that'll make it go away. But it's just like, there's sort of, it's sort of like, there's no like, what's the, is it wrong to kill a demon? I guess it's fine. Like she's killing men in town. Like it's totally fine. Like is, it entirely her fault that she's here. Like, this is her... She's a beast by nature, essentially. Just doing what she's been 
told to do or called to do. She's been compelled to do this essentially. So if I can free her from the curse some other way, is that good or is she just gonna go kill somebody else? Like, you know, it's just like, and you're sitting here telling me like, I have issues with how they portray por uh, uh, prostitution like a dragon. Well, I mean, because it's, I mean, I know, I know, I know, I know the difference. There's a difference, it's a difference like, yeah. But you were talking about like the, the, the sophistication be... of a fictional sex demon. Like... <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but so it's just, anyway, it's, it's one of those things where the game, the, it's, it just sort of like you, the player, end up playing your own conscience a lot of times. Which Were is you... weird when you're playing a character that's been predefined. Now, granted, that's part of the advantage of giving him amnesia in the first Witcher game, where it's a smart move for a lot, a lot of reasons, one of which being they decided to make the story take place after the original game books, and people don't know who Geralt is unless you're from Poland, you know, at that point right. in particular. So, makes sense. And I guess from that point, it, you're more free to, but actually this jumps into a really interesting okay so in some ways it did i find it found it difficult because it's like what would Geralt say and i have some familiarity based on the netflix series but not from the prior two games mm -hmm. or from uh or from the books um but i'm playing and it's like there you just get a handle of the character you're like okay what would he say in what situation which way would he go? And sometimes that goes against my conscience. And that's where you start to feel a little dirty. Um, but I want to jump into actually... Because it goes into... So I guess at this point we'll call it spoilers. Because we're not going to talk directly about the main story. But this portion will spoil some stuff involving the characters of Triss and Yennefer. Okay, particularly yeah. Yennefer. Mm -hmm. Um... So, I'll give a spoiler warning now. Again, five-year-old game. If you've played The Witcher 3, you've played it. Most of the people listening probably have. Um, if you haven't played it, then you're either going to play and stop now, or you just don't care about spoilers at this point. Um, and honestly, I don't know. This is one of those games where I don't feel like spoilers matter that much. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong, but it's like, the my... Because I knew some of the stuff going in already. My enjoyment of the story, like... It, there weren't a lot of moments where it's like, man, I'm glad I knew I didn't know that going in. Right, there's not so, a lot of big shocks, big reveals that you can necessarily, like... And again, this is, this is partly because... One, because most of the side quests have multiple possible paths. So yeah. if I spoil my ending of something, that won't necessarily spoil it for you. Yeah. And... Because I think ultimately the the main narrative becomes secondary, it sort of yeah. So anyway, yeah, the spoilers are they're spoilers. Yeah, so, so we're going to just discuss spoilers now. So Jennifer, um, I think I know what you're going to talk about. Go ahead. The, well, that's the thing. I was like, well, you read my notes, I think. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things that occurred to me was the fact that like, and I wouldn't have thought about it, but yeah, there is because it's the internet, of course. There's debates over which is best girl, Tris or Jennifer. And again, like I, I shared with you, Bob Case's write up on SeamusYoung.com, uh, the Twenty Sided Tale. I, sh I shared with you his write up, and he or Seamus, one of them, had the feeling that the game leans towards Triss. Like the games have been leading towards Triss being the canonical uh, pair up, 
and yet from the books and the TV show, it's like, no, it seems like Yennefer, but just without any of that, like, because I was, honestly, I prefer Triss, personally, and I was going to go for the Triss romance, but it felt like the chemistry, the dynamic, and the way that the game went, it felt like the game was pushing me every step of the way towards Geralt and Yennefer. Yeah. And that's one of those areas where some of the dialogue choices were, if I didn't want to pick the obvious romance option, I'd pick something that didn't sound like what Geralt would say. Um, so, and it, uh, this yeah. is actually an area where I do want to also compare to Dragon Age Origins and like where this game went better way. Now, partially it's because these characters are based on already defined and written characters with already defined and written backgrounds. But, like, for me, I never got why people love Morgan in Dragon Age Origins. As a character, I can get it to an extent. But she's, like, it's, I don't know how old she's supposed to be in the game. But her worldview feels stuck at 16 years old. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of Morrigan. And I didn't know how to, like, word this at the time when I first played it, but that's the thing. It's like, this is a 16-year-old that never grew up. Like, they they, they they think they're way more smart than they really are. And I think that's part of the point to the character when you consider her mother. But it's like, people just love this character, and they love Morgan. And, like, I was one of the only people that I knew that was like, Oh, man, Meliana! I think oh, it was Leliana. Leliana. I think it was Leliana. It was Leliana. Now, granted, I can see where also she's... Because she's, like, the exact opposite. She's, like... Like, be, because, you know, I am, of course, in a lot of ways, biased by my own religious preferences. You know, right, she's the, the sort of the zealot. She's the zealot, but that's the thing. There are times where it's, like... If she were talking about a Christian god, I'd be sitting there like, ooh, ease it down, girl. Ease it down. Like, yeah, back that up. Back that up. Like, so it's like they go two completely different spectrums. But that's the thing. Like, they 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 feel like they're these extreme spectrums. Whereas Yennefer feels like Morgan done right. Triss doesn't feel like Leliana done right. Yeah. Triss doesn't feel like Leliana at all. But Triss is an interesting, similar character but with a very different personality. And one of those things that stands out, like I did a lot of Triss's um, side quests and stuff. Uh, yeah, I did all her quests in Novigrad, and it became clear to me at, to a point, she doesn't want you stepping in for her. And especially it becomes clear when you're going to break into the, uh, the, 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 the shoot, the, the Holy Order. Um, Eternal Fire. The Eternal Fire headquarters, whatever. Yeah. Like the, the soldier guys, at least. You, you walk in there and it's like, you know, it's very clear. that they keep giving you the options to, to just <laughs> like... I think I just killed everyone. I think you... Yeah, you, you said that. <laughs> you didn't even get through the torture where it's like, I'm sitting there like... When it gets to the point to just kill everyone, I'm seeing her in cutscenes. Her hands just bloody as all get out because they tore out her fingernails. And I'm just like, ah. But that's the thing. Yeah. Like, they make it brutal. They, they, they really test that's, you on that. <laughs> But, like, let, let, let me guess. Was Triss upset with you that you decided to Yeah, Triss is not... Yeah, yeah Triss she does is not, like, she does, I have this handle, but, you exactly. know, I'm like, yeah. She, she's, she's a strong, independent like, woman. Like, sorry, I'm, you know, she, dad, dad gamer here. Just, yeah. you know. <laughs> but then there's... There, so so she doesn't like it when you step in for her. She likes to make her own decisions, be independent, even if it means making her own mistakes. 
she likes to feel like you trust her with a decision. Yennefer, on the other hand, for as much as she belittles you, and as much as she seems to use you, there's one moment where, you know, Madman Lugos in Skellige is insulting her or whatever. I can't remember what he says. But, you know, that's whereas, you know, Geralt, I was like, all right, man, you've said enough, you know, stepped in for her, ended up fighting the guy. And, you know, you don't kill him, but he's, he's like, all happy. And it switches to Yennefer, and Yennefer has a little, like, glint in her eye and a little smirk. Like, she liked that you fought for her on her. So it's like subtle little differences in the personalities of them where you have two independent women, yes, but they like they have different perspectives on Geralt's type of actions. One wants him to just like, you know, leave her to make her decisions. There you go. She'll, if she wants your help, she'll ask for it. The other likes it when she doesn't have to tell you to help. So, you know, she's the one that's the more, like, the less straightforward. She's the more mystique kind of driven. Um, and you're able to have that kind of subtle character difference. And I liked that. But again, going back to where it makes the game feel canonical is definitely the Last Wish quest, which I'm glad I watched the TV series before playing this so I had the backstory for that wish that Geralt made that they'd be intertwined by fate and you know because that's honestly that is a really good like that's that's also again yeah I this mean, is where I understand it uh, understand some of what people love about this game um because again like I'm Mr. Critical on everything and there are some games I'm willing to forgive stuff and not others yeah. and the last wish is a quest that I'll probably remember for a while because it's, it really makes you think, are these two people like constantly coming back to each other because of the wish or without the wish, would they come back on their own? Is the love real or is it mm. just the result of this this wish to spell? So I completely understood, I got into it, but again, you're talking about canonical and at one point, Yennefer says something, and Geralt can either say, I love you, or, you know, like, we should call things off. You know, like, like we, we should right, break right, up. Yeah. And it's like, well, clearly one of these isn't in character. Right. I, I hate... Therefore... That is definitely falling into one of my least favorite traps in these games. This is how I ended up with... Uh, uh, in playing Persona 5, I ended up with On as my romantic option. Because you didn't realize you're in it. Like, right, because I was like, well, this sounds like this sounds like a nicer thing to say than this other thing. And then it's like, oops, I guess we're dating now. <laughs> 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 like, I don't want to be mean to Yennefer because she just might, you know, teleport me into the ice. Um, oh, she might just leave you there. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, you hate teleportation portals, so uh, you can walk home. <laughs> you yeah. know, like... <laughs> But yeah, at the same time, I didn't want to tell her I loved her. Like, do we have a middle option here? But like, I did kiss Tris back in the garden. Like, yeah. uh, which yeah, that so, was a good moment too. Yeah, though she is a lightweight. Holy crap! She didn't even drink a whole glass, man. <laughs> like, damn. Yeah, you think sorceresses would, you know, have that under control? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. But seriously, yeah, no. So, and, and that's one of the things too, where. where the DLC kind of the second DLC 
I think really helps flesh that out too. And so I was, I was in the same boat where I sort of felt like, you know, Triss is really the better girl, but Yennefer is, is who well, it feels like. This is where I'll differentiate. Triss is my personal preference. Yes. For Geralt, I do think Yennefer is the better pairing. Right, exactly. Yeah, just exactly what you said. Where, where personally, if I were playing Dragon Age and I was had built a character from the ground up, it would have been Triss. But for Geralt, it's Yennefer. Yennefer, yeah. And I and the I felt better about that after the second DLC. What's it called? The first one is Hearts of Stone. Blood and Wine. Blood and Wine, yeah. Blood and, like after Blood and Wine. I think they really in the, in that DLC they they really make it made it work for me um, in terms of was that the the Hearts of Stone was okay Blood and Wine is a really good DLC with just one of those that's so that's the quest that always stands out for me this is gonna you know completely not work for you where if you do the work. And you, I read, I actually, I went and looked, watched the other endings. If you do the work, if you pay attention to the characters and what they say, and I like actually pay attention and, and learn, you basically get to like put this broken family back together and reunite them all at the end. Where, and if you screw it up, they end up like killing each other. Well, uh, see, like, that, that's not that's, And that's the kind of stuff that's like, that that I love because the game made you work for it and it and it gives you between completing the, the between completing I wish the, they let me do that with a bloody baron. <laughs> like Right. They didn't let you do it with the bloody baron. This one they actually let you and maybe that's part of why it felt so good is the bloody baron there's no happy ending. Yeah, it's like his his daughter leaves regardless. His wife ain't the person she used to be assuming she's still alive and if she's not alive then he hangs himself. Yeah. And like Either way, worse people are in charge. Because like, that's part of the thing, too. Like, I completely forgot, because, like, I had, like, a week or two where I didn't play. I completely forgot that one of the first things you hear going in is that the villagers will hide some of their... Will, like, dress up some of their daughters to look like boys so they don't get stinking, like, trained by the Bloody yeah. Barrett's men. Like, holy crap. Like, this is the kind of stuff that's going on. All right. And, and again, and that's that's definitely. I think it's also because like it, it, it's, you hear his name, the Bloody Baron. You hear some about him. You hear about his men. Definitely, his men are definitely jerks. But then you meet him, and he doesn't seem like that bad of a guy. Now, granted, of course, you find out more about him. You find out that he does right. beat his wife. Then, if you dig deeper, you understand. It's like okay, this is like. See, this is where like some people are going to be like either hate me or like understand. Well, okay, yeah, go ahead. he's not portrayed, and this is the thing too. Like being away from social media gets me away from some of the knee-jerk responses. Bloody Baron does awful things. Some of them are done in retaliation to awful things done to him by his wife. Does she deserve those awful things? No. But what I like about the character is that he knows he doesn't do the right thing. And he does, at some point, decide he wants to change. Hmm. You don't get to do anything for that. And here's the thing. like I understand where, for some people, it's like, okay, that's just how life is, though. 
how many people out there keep trying to change? I mean, heck, I know personally in my own life, how many times have I tried to lose weight and I've completely failed, you know? Like, I understand that's life. Don't invest me in a quest this much. Well, if the end result is, well, swam ass life. So, I think like, that, I, on one hand, I, I do get that. On the other hand, I do, I do feel like they're, it's, the Bloody Baron is a point where it's trying to, I don't want to say sell you on the world. It's trying to make a point about the world. Where they already did that for me in a, like, actually one of the few side quests they already did. Um, one of the first side quests where, you know, you, the Dwarven Blacksmith and White Orchard and yeah. the guy that it's like, yep, this is the guy. And they're like, well, that's treason. We're going to hang you. Uh, wait, what? Right, right. You mean I either allow a guy to get away with arson or I let him die? Like, it's a wow, gee. But the whole, um, just the whole, because the whole thing from front to start where you're dealing with the botchling and you're dealing with the... Um, oh my god, the botchling. The botchling, that was... And you're dealing with the, the hags, whatever they are. The crones, yeah. The crones, sorry, not hags. And so what I, what it sort of does, Talk I think... Talk about a letdown of a boss fight. Yeah. Yeah, that was... Again, that was, I think, where the ending just kind of comes up short. Um, where... Anyway. But, so... What it sort of... That there's basically that... Where I see the Bloody Baron quest is the point of it being people are awful on their own. The Baron is awful. Um, and his circumstances were awful. And when, and then you mix in these sort of these higher powers that are barely held back from active malevolence at all times and and then it's just this sort of hopeless world for everyone involved in it that that especially when you get when you get these other things mixed in it just makes everything worse and so for but i think that's part of you know we hear the fairy tales and you know we've already you know, we we've seen the, the Disney movies. We see, we've, we've, we've all had the Disney we version of the We don't have the Hans the and Gretel where they get eaten by the witch, which right, is, this right. is what that movie, this game is. But then you, you go even further back beyond the fairy tales, because those were still the versions they told to the children, to... It's cautionary tales. Right. right. But then you go even further back, and, and you get in these mythologies, especially in a lot of these agrarian societies, the... The myths and other things that these were, and the religions that that were born out of this, is all about hopelessness in in the midst of these chaotic forces that we don't understand. And I think that's that's the point where the Bloody Baron comes, where it's the intersection of how horrible man is to man, other man, other men, mankind is to itself, each other, and these horrible forces that are all around us essentially making our lives even worse. That... And this and is the so, funny thing. This is where, in my mind, it's like, the world is a terrible place and people are terrible. 
Like, that's, like, that sums up a lot of my worldview. And again, this could be because of my religious backing. Because it's like, the world's a terrible place. People are terrible. But you can still do something good within that world. And that's where... Sometimes you do. And that's probably one of the reasons why I enjoyed the conclusion to Ceres' quest like I did. Because, again, like a moment with Triss. It's like one of those moments where you got to trust the person. Mm -hmm. So, okay, yes, I'm going to throw a baby in an oven. I hope that baby's okay by the end. But I'm going to throw that baby in the oven. And what do you know? Your enemy is this monster that you just tricked is now out of there, is gone. Yeah. And your, like, your potential guilt, because you're sitting there, like, I hope I did not just commit infantici- infantis- infanticide. Infanticide. Like, infanticide, yeah. Infant, it's infant, is it infanticide? Infanticide, yeah. Babyside. Um, I hope I did not just com- commit babyside. Like, you know, it's, it's one of those moments that it ends pleasantly and happily and it's like cool i just murdered some of his guards but whatever i was right you don't have to pay me it's like put 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 the pay towards the funeral like buy him a boat but Um, no i get that and obviously like it's not going to be a good story if at some point you can't accomplish something good and have a happy ending at some point you can't have you know Pleasure not spiked with pain. Um, I mean, maybe it's still spiked with pain, but at least it's good. Um, but I, I think that's that's the world of of The Witcher. Is well, there's also other things, and this this is again where it comes down to quests. Where I wonder if there were originally more plans, because like there there's a quest in Skellige where you find uh, a village and the village like the older guy is like there's a beast in the woods that guards us and everything but you see this guy's been mangled by tree roots it's like okay clearly something is murdering people in the woods well you get one of two options you either figure out who the creature has like attached tethered itself to or you talk to the old man and you can like basically you can make an offering at this area and you could do the thing or you can talk to the young guy and basically go fight the monster well i figured you know like well i might be able to go fight the monster but this young but if i do like this young woman has to leave the village she has to be exiled hmm what if I appease it and fight it or something. Like, let me see what happens when I appease it. Like, if I have any other options available. Um, nope. That's the end of that quest. And the young guys go and they kill the old guy anyway. Yay! I should have yeah. just exiled the stinking lady. Right. Like, come on. Right, right. Well, but that's... I guess... I, I guess that's kind of what I love about the game. Is... It's, but that's the it's funny like, thing. It's, 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 it's a gray be... zone game, but then it has a binary decision. But the whole idea is, is you're, again, you're this guy who comes into these situations. He's supposed to be a neutral force in this in this thing. He's supposed to make a sort of a, a he's the decision. He's a neutral educate, force, right, he's a but neutral... Uh, ultimately he's the fate maker in a sense. And it's like... right. 
With, but and so, but sometimes, sometimes there's a right choice. Sometimes there's not a right choice, and and that's what I think. But when you go that far, because that's the thing. Like I wish they had gone somewhere. Okay, make it so it's a crappy ending. Otherwise, but it feels cheap. Like again, like we're talking about moments where the writing was so good, and now here's a moment where the writing is cheap. And like sophomoric where it's like, oh, but they're going to kill the old guy. Oh, don't you feel guilty now or something like it's like, man, I come on. Like, really, that's the direction you're going to go. That's how far you're going to go. It's I'm sorry. It's like for as much as the as uh, for as many moments of the game does what writing well, there are plenty of quests that should have been dropped or modified because the writing just gets stupid because they get so, as my brother would say, blackpilled like it's. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm not saying I'm not saying every quest is perfect, and some of them, right, have very. I would just I just had this thing in Cyberpunk, and uh, maybe it's gonna come back, where you you pick up this guy, and it seems to just be he has a his name is Odzob, which is bozo backwards, and he has a grenade instead of a nose, um, right, and it just seems to be like. The whole point of the, the quest was to make a whole bunch of jokes about clowns. He goes in, you're supposed to be driving him to go pick up some Chinese food or something. He goes in, shoots up the place, you like, you're supposed to be waiting in the car to get away, and you just end up shooting all the people who are chasing him. And that's the end. And you're like... What? What? Like, what did, what did I just do? Like, like, what did I just do? I, I guess, like, I'm okay with these kinds of... And do of they not even give you the option to just drive off and leave him there? Yeah, you don't have the option to just leave him. See, that... Right, and so, obviously, right. These, these... It's not like that takes a lot to program. Just let me be, either just stay there and wait for him, or let me drive off. And if I drive off, quest abandoned or something like that. Like, it's not worth the experience points, it's not worth the money. Like, like yeah. that's a valid option and it doesn't t- it shouldn't take a lot of program maybe you know maybe i could i didn't try to drive off um, okay maybe you can maybe i could have driven off well i know like there were other like there were other quests that didn't have stated objectives so like for example you're getting a a shard which is like a you know usb hard you know usb drive okay. or something and so if you read the shard which is the thing you can do you can just pick it up you can read it it triggers an additional quest. I didn't read the shard. Mm-hmm. I just, like, I picked up the shard. There was no, like, optional read the shard. It was just, like, pick it up, deliver it. Okay, I picked it up and deliver it. The person asked me, did I read it? I said, no. The end. There you go. You're right. But so, I, I obviously, like, there are quests like that in these games that, that feel, even for as deep as they can go, that feel incomplete or feel there are there's still some padding in there. Um, you know, not everything is you know one of these amazing quests. I'm trying to remember. There's one in there's one with pigs. I think it might be one of the DLC where the whole village gets turned into pigs. I didn't find that one. That one might be one of the DLCs. Um, I don't know. There's right. There's quests that are really deep and amazing and great, and there's ones that are just. And there is one that I actually really enjoyed, which is the the the, the little garden where the guy's the eternal werewolf. Mm-hmm. I liked that quest. 
But this is again, like this is for me. I'm a, I'm also of that opinion where it's like I'd rather have ten good quests than a hundred quests of varying quality. Yeah. Like I'd rather that. But again, that's you know right. personal preference. But that, like that's one of those quests that it's like because it ended in a way where it's like I was able to end the curse, but then I killed him because the very first thing out of his mouth was I'm gonna go back to raping and pillaging, and it's like, well, guess what, <laughs> you know. No, you're yeah. not. No, you're not. <laughs> yeah. It's like, so, so, because yeah. I was going to let him go if it sounded like, like, it's like, because it's like, you know, oh, the circumstances that you just lived, you might have learned a lesson. Nope, he's going back to raping and pillaging. Nope. Like, well, guess what? You're dead. Dead. It's like, I, I solved all the problems. <laughs> like, and that was a nice way to end that quest. I was completely happy and fine with that. So, like, it's, it's, I don't know, it's, it is a mixed deal, and it, it's like, yeah, it's like we, we, we there's so much still to talk about too. Yeah, um, did we want to talk about the whole Papa Geralt part? Because I feel like a major part of the game is because I wrote about. Okay, I, I, I wrote about. Okay, I did. Go to RamblePack64.com. Like, take a pause. This, take a break. Read my entry, Papa Geralt, where I talk a bit about the game and I don't even remember to what extent because I know I didn't get to put all of my thoughts in there. But, like, where it felt like the game was trying to direct you to be a parent and yet didn't exactly go far enough with it? Like, or rather, it didn't make sense in a lot of ways. What did you think of that essay I wrote? So, no, I, I, I definitely I agreed largely with what you had said in there. Uh, yeah, so, obviously, we, we, you know, this has been discussed about this whole idea of a dad game. And The Witcher 3, one of those, one aspect of a dad game, I think, is these games that take forever. Another a aspect of a dad game is that you play a gruff guy with a beard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so, so right, there's, there's not perfect consistency with, with this whole idea with Siri, um, not... I'm gonna, I'm, I'm even remembering more of what I'm Not Hey now. Siri. Yeah. Because um, I hate but you. The, um, but with right with your she's, how, she's an adult now, and she, there's there, that's an interesting angle to take. This character is an adult now. How do you, as a parent, respond to that? And I feel like there are moments where it can be more sophisticated. But again, it, it, it makes things binary after all. Right. Well, there's you get three endings. One of three endings, basically based on what you how. Geralt does as dad. Yes. With most of the choices being either she has no confidence in herself or she has full confidence in herself. And the f funny thing about that is it basically... When does she have full confidence in herself? When you teach her to indulge in her emotions most of the time. Or actually, no, even, even I won't even say that. Like, it's, a, it's weird because the decisions themselves aren't necessarily bad. Because it's a character-by-character character basis. Like, what is right for Siri as a character? But then it's like, well, one of these makes her less confident. So she'll die at the end, or at least vanish. One of these makes her more confident. And it's like, okay, somehow she gains more confidence by trashing someone's house. Like, or laboratory, I should say. It's like, okay, I guess. And then there's, like, the one decision. Like, the, like I made, like, three out of four. Because the one decision where I went the wrong way was 
She was clearly intimidated meeting with the other circle, the, the, the sorcerer, lodge, the lodge sorceresses. Yeah, yeah. Um, she was clearly uncomfortable with that. And I was like, you know what? I'll go back her up. Because like, I go to buy a car, right? Mm-hmm. I might have my dad there in case he thinks of something I don't. Right. Because my dad knows more about cars than I do. He's shopped for cars a lot more than I have. He's got experience I don't. So he'll let me ask questions. And nobody knows more about sorceresses than Geralt. Than Geralt, yes. In many ways. <laughs> um, but so he... Yeah, so it's like him sitting there and helping her out or maybe asking questions she doesn't think to ask... That's a parent thing to do, even when you're an adult. Like, that's just, that's a thing that happens. Like, just because you're an adult doesn't Maybe mean your parent is useless. You need to let her spread her wings and fly, man. And I was, actually, that's part of what I even said to the dang sorceresses. She can do what she wants. That's what I told them. Yeah. So that, that, that's part Wait, of... So did Siri disappear in your ending? No. Oh, okay. You got the you got we got the same again. I, I made three out of four correct ending. Correctly, yeah. No, we got well. Th- I didn't visit the emperor. Oh, you didn't. So you got like the good good ending. Geralt did not seem very keen on bringing Siri back. So when the game was like, we should go see the emperor first, or yes, let's go to Bald Mountain. I was like, Geralt doesn't give a crap about that emperor. So I was just like, let's go to Bald Mountain. Okay, I went to the emperor. So yeah. And which you evidently, and there, there, there ends up being another choice where if you take the money, she thinks you just wanted to, you just did it all for the money. And therefore you have points right. against you. But fortunately, you clearly didn't do that, or you didn't get those enough points against you, because you had where she becomes the Empress. Which, I did watch that ending. It is very bittersweet. It is very interesting and it's, it is one of the because that's the thing like you have the, the the hunt together you have the memories that are shared yeah but it's like there are moments where like, like i agree again with bob case it's like she says you know you're not going to try and take me you know you're not by force you're not going to try and take me by force and uh, the 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 line is delivered in such a way that it's almost like please you know like take me by force but it's like hmm. it's Similar to, and again, go jump back to Dragon Age. I, when I played the city elf, it was a female city elf that was rogue. Um, and, you know, played into stereotypes, of, obviously, by being rogue uh, or renegade. But the, the I ended up going for the, because it was a female character, the romance option with Alistair. Until you make the decision to spare Loghain. And that's where I found out if you spare Loghain, you lose Alistair. That moment hit me in the heart, man. That whole scene, it was so well written, so well voice acted. I just remember one of the dialogue choices was, please don't do this. And I'm just like, oh God, it's a, oh. It was like this amazing moment. And that ending hits those same heartstrings. But I got the good ending where they make it like, I'm just sitting there like, don't tell me she's dead. Don't tell me she's dead. I'm going to put, what is it, Z- Zariel? It means swallow or whatever. On yeah. the sword. It's like, just don't tell me she's dead. Don't tell me she's dead. And then you meet up with her at the end and she's got the hood over. And, you know, you're talking about going and being going witching together. And it's yeah. like, 
that is a suitable ending. I like that ending. And that's when I looked for multiple endings. You know, like how many endings, oh, how many endings are there? Yeah. Yeah. And well, then it gives you like sort of like the ending recap of what your... All the other decisions, yeah. The, which I, see, and that's... I sort of like how it, in the end... I mean, obviously, there, there, there weren't. There was no perfect decision for the most part. Like, no. Where okay, so you don't kill Radovoid, and Radovid, Radovid, and he's actually a really good military leader, and so he protects the North from Nilfgaard. Um, but he's still crazy, or. Dykstra, again, ends up being a good military leader, but then he ends up being no better than Nilfgaard for his public policy, essentially. Or you go with Roche, who's like the good guy, but he's not as effective in holding Nilfgaard off from their advances. And... Well, it also depends on what happens with Nilfgaard itself. Like, I forget what determines some of that. Right. For me, like the emperor basically like got rid of his enemies that were trying to uh, yeah. usurp him, and so it's like it like Tamaria wasn't like free free or something like that. Like I forget. It's like basically there's a whole bunch of compromise, but it's like I feel like we're at a good spot. Yeah. I feel like we're at a space where it's like you know the normal common people can live fine for a while. Because that's what it comes down to, doesn't right. it? Like, and and that, maybe that's part of where... Because you're so occupied with Geralt's quest... Like, you, you, this game really does give you a ground look at things, right? And maybe that's part of the issue, too. The game gives you a ground, look, ground view of what the war does to the populace. And in a believable way that doesn't feel like it's being so boxy. It doesn't feel yeah. like it's trying to make relevant commentary. It's just like... What's going on in this area with famine? In this area where you know they're now occupied by Nilfgaard. Like, what's the what? What are the tempers going to be? What's how volatile is it? And what what are the people going to be worried about? And the end feels like it really fill, fills in with that. But if you're mostly just going through the story with only a little bit of side quests, you don't get as much of that, and it doesn't like. Because, again, like, the ending I got feels like the good ending, but in that, again, you have stability for the common people. Because yeah. what good does war do for the common people? None. Nothing. What does it do for the people in charge? Well, you might live wealthy, and you might get wealthier, or you might, you know, get your head chopped off, or you might short-stock a GameStop or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Relevancy! We'll make commentary. There you go. Witcher yeah. Four is going to be about going to be like an allegory for the whole Wall Street bets GameStop. There we go. Melvin's fiasco. No, the the the. But that's the thing. Right. Like the ending doesn't like f like it, it's more like I'm connecting that, but the ending doesn't feel like that's what well, this game has been building towards. Kind of a thing. It's also it, the ending. I feel like what it part of what it does too is. It's also Geralt reflective of just Geralt. how involved Geralt was. Right. Where he's his intention is essentially to not be involved. And if and you're yet, not involved, then chances are you're going to come up with an ending that's completely craptastic. Right. Well, then he... Right. By, by trying... 
eventually, essentially, he has no choice but to be involved and to make decisions which have major outcomes on the people. Um, you know, this is a weird thing. And I think part of it goes to the voice actors. I don't like Dykes, De- Dijkstra? Dijkstra? Dijkstra. Dijkstra, yeah. I don't like him as a person. I like his character, though. He's something fun about him. Maybe yeah. it's because he and Geralt clearly don't I, like each other. But that's the thing, like Lambert. Lambert, I just did not like until the drunk scene. But Dijkstra is like... I guess because Dijkstra is a jerk that, considering her circumstances, I can understand at least. Yeah, I think... Like, it's like if I was running into some of the crap that he was, like a hole blown in the stinking cellar, I'd be like, yeah, I'd... Yeah, I'd be I'd be insulting Geralt to his face as well with a decent ha- like ca- like amount of sarcasm. Yeah, there was definitely like I felt I felt like I really needed to work to to earn his approval as the player. <laughs> like you know, and that's where again like I was actually kind of angry because it's like okay, well I guess I got to kill Deekstra now because I don't want to kill Roach. Like, which of the, is, that's the lesser of two, not even the lesser of two evils. It's just like, okay, I worked with these guys and, oh, now you're being a jerk. Okay, I guess, I, well, yeah, I, yeah. I guess that's Whereas what we it was, are. Yeah, those decisions aren't always the, yeah. Yeah, it's like, it either feels rushed or just feels like, I don't know. Like a little someone, ham-fisted. Yeah, it's, it's, that's the funny thing. They're trying to be more than just black and white. And it's like, it's like instead of you making the dumb punch a kitten renegade choice in the game, the NPCs are making the dumb punch a kitten renegade choice in the game. Right. And, and it's then like, you have you to kill choose... the NPC yeah. and just punch the kitten. It's like, no, I have to punish you. Why didn't you choose Paragon? Like, right, come right. on, yeah. man. I, and, right. So ultimately, right, is, is does The Witcher 3 do a perfect job of giving you this sort of gray morality? No, it doesn't. No. But I, I would still hold it's come closer than just about anything else in in this way that it it weaves the quests i never thought of it as a morality system yeah that's probably one of the best things that it did and what more games should learn from everything was about i think that's that's what it is is everything you do has a consequence but it's not a consequence it's that's tied to a a some kind of meter that's yeah. filling up for your morality points. It's just, well, you did this thing, now this character is dead, or this character is not going to help you, or this, you know, this group is going to do this because you did, like, it's all, there's consequences, just not in a way that other games are really done. Yeah. There's another element I want to, because I know we've got to be running out of time. Um, or rather, well exceeding overtime. But the 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 first time I encountered a troll in this universe was the troll that believed himself to be a part of Radovid's army, and I needed to buy him paint. <laughs> and I was wondering if this was an uncommon troll. I found out that I don't know when they appear in the books, but I like trolls in this universe. Hmm. They're not very intelligent. They're not dumb like a child, but they're also not dumb in your typical way. They're ignorant of a lot of things, including vocabulary. 
But I like the fact that there are monsters. Like, and that, that's the thing. Like, one of the interesting things about The Witcher is you're not fighting every monster. There are some monsters you can talk to. Right. Some you can negotiate with. Some you end up. Sometimes you end up helping the monster. Yes. Um. You look like there's an example. On your no. Hey, you said that. Yeah. But no, it's like the, the the I did like how they executed trolls in this universe and setting. It was very amusing most of the time. Only fought like a couple of them, not very many. Um. And that had actually brought something else to my mind that I just already forgot. Because there is, again, there's a lot that can be discussed. Oh, yeah, there's so, we, yeah, we, we talked for an hour and a half, but there's obviously a lot more. We didn't really get into many of the story points. No, um, and again, I didn't want to talk about... We didn't, we didn't get to, we didn't talk about probably one of the, one of the best scenes in the game. Well, we briefly just touched on... Drunk the, Witchers? Or? Drunk Witchers, yeah, Drunk Witchers, which is... That was a good moment. And it, this is another thing that I do want to... Most of the... Most of the downtime in this game was well done because a lot of game developers don't know how to do downtime, mm. right? Um, I think a lot of games need downtime so you have this moment where, and especially at a moment where you can really just enjoy the characters. And that drunk Witcher night was one of them because it feels like three drunk guys that are getting more and more drunk to the point that, you know... It reached the point where Eskel vomited and was nearly passed out outside. And Lambert's like, let's call up some hot elf babes. And oh, right, right. That's where I'm like, we gotta sleep it off. <laughs> and then I find out that you can, like, uh, you know, you can evidently try calling the elf babes with, for some reason, Eskel and Lambert in dresses. I don't know why, but you can, and you call the wrong guys. Obviously. Obviously. And then, of course, you know, Yennefer wakes up in her sexy underwear and is just upset with everybody. Um, but it's like, you know, just a perfect... Like, what does it move the plot forward? No. Does it get you to like these characters? I, I hated Lambert until that point. I think it's Lambert. I think that's right. It might be the wrong name. It begins with an L. I know that much. I hated him up until that point. Then it's like, okay, I like him a little bit. I mostly hate him, but I like him a little bit. So it's... And actually, you know what? That's that's actually a good... So again, like, Bloody Baron at least accepts his flaws. Lambert just blames everyone else, and he can't like just get over anything. He can't, can't just let go of the fact that, yeah, you had a crappy dad. You had a crappy childhood. You went to the Witcher school. People died. It stunk. And I know this sounds yeah, yeah, yeah. incredibly first world to me. <laughs> but it's like, this doesn't give you an excuse to be a jerk, dude. Bad things happening to you does not give you an excuse to do bad things to other people. What? I've never heard of that. But this is where, again, it's like... Like, at least the Baron owns up to him being a jerk, even though he right. went through war. He had a good... Because that's the thing. Like, a lot of what he said... The, a lot of what he talks about sounds like what happens when you come home with PTSD kind of a thing. Right, yeah. No, that's... Like, it's... It, it's... Yeah. But anyways, um... Good writing. And again, like, the, the Siege of Care Moran is an example of, you know, the care they tried to put into the cutscenes especially... 
Because again, like for the size of the team and the size of the game world that they were trying to build, like, and here's another point of comparison. Because I would still honestly say I like Yakuza better than this. But what I'll give is that Yakuza is a game built using a lot of recycled animations and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And you see the copy-paste character models and stuff for the side quests. The side quests are written well. But they don't have the same production value that you will get in a side quest you, that like most players might never see. Like There are probably side right. quests that are really top-notch that I would have loved that I did not get to see in this game. Like they're right, that, and that's that's part of it. Where the there is attention to detail, there's in production value in The Witcher Three, in all of these things that you know. Right in most JRPGs, it would just be here's a copy pasta NPC with you know on non voice dialogue, you know. Yeah, yeah, just all oh, right, and and but instead, and the occasional a, eh? Eh, yeah, eh? that's actually one of my least oh. favorite things about most modern RPGs is JRPGs is the way that they feel the need to have like the one single word. Hi, like well, for you. Well, here's the thing: we're also playing in in English, in English which so it's going to be a little bit different. It probably makes it, it was Star Wars, or, or it's like the, or it's like the heavy breathing. The heavy, like the heavy breathing and grunting thing. Uh, yeah, dude, that's <laughs> and honestly, that comes off so much worse. That, like that's a dub thing before it's a Japanese anime thing. But, any, but anyways, 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 anyways. I know. Anyway, I know. Yeah. So I that's and I think that's what that's what makes The Witcher what it is. Is it's right? There's there are parts of the game that feel incomplete. There are parts that feel overstuffed. Um, there's parts where you say this was too big; they should have made it smaller. Um, there's parts here, or they should have just spent a little bit more time polishing the the flow here or whatever else. But ultimately, it it has a unique way of of looking, presenting the world to the player. And I think it's it accomplishes elements of immersion in ways that few other games have have done successfully in making the world truly immersive not just by putting lots of stuff in it but by making that stuff interesting and making you care about that stuff yeah unfortunately i think for me it just comes down to again like for me i prefer and part of this again the model of yakuza the yakuza games you will hit a point where you've done all the side quests you can in a chapter. And so you continue with the main quest until more side quests come about. And it creates this sort of pacing where it's like, okay, I'm doing side quests tonight. Tomorrow I continue on with the story back and forth. And whereas Witcher 3, it becomes analysis paralysis. It's like I got notice boards on my map all over the place that are just going to like give me so many more side quests. And when am I going to play the main game again? Like, holy crap, how long am I going to be playing this? There's still all this uncharted map. And you don't have to do all that. Part of that is just letting all that go. But it's like this sense of, again, quantity over quality, even though that's a bit of a yeah, mischaracterization because they still try to have quality. But there's still just too much and they could have more quality 
if they sacrificed more quantity, because that's the thing, like, they're putting a lot of quality in. They could have more quality if they sacrificed some of the quantity. That's true. And that's where I stand. I would rather quality over quantity. I'd rather even a six-hour game over a 60-hour game, if it meant I could just replay it and have a really great time, but... But you can't build, you can't build an a world immersive in the way the Witcher's world is immersive in a six-hour game. This maybe is where it comes down to preference. Right, maybe I could rather have built walk it. up to the blacksmith and go immediately to an inventory right. screen was, rather than having to hear. But that's not that's top-notch swords. That's not what you're playing. You know, the other fifty hours from that six is. Maybe you could have made a thirty-hour game that was. I had tighter questing. Yeah. And whatever That's, else it is. But the 20 hour right. RPG is something I would really love for us to be able to go back to. Yeah. And I even see this as I'm playing Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition, because I'm reaching the point where it's like I'm gonna have to do side quests to at least have more money. And it's like, come on, I'm really into the story. Are you gonna really make me stop and do side quests? Yes. So it's yeah. Everybody does it. But anyway. Chris is not as keen on The Witcher 3. And part of that is... It doesn't the immersion part thing of the, and part of it... Like, I mean, here's the thing, though. I want to at least come away and say, I, I recognize a lot of the accomplishment and the achievement. Unfortunately, I feel like a lot of people will end up learning some of the wrong lessons from it. Um, because you can still do these kinds of quality quests in a 20-hour game. But instead, it's like, okay, clearly what we well, that's need... The Witcher 2. ...is an 80 game. And I've thought about that. I do have that on Steam. So I might play that sometime. Like once my priority yeah. pile's knocked down and I build up my secondary pile, Witcher 2 might be one of those games. We'll see. I'll play them backwards, you know. But yeah, right, right. Um, but probably plenty more that I could discuss. We'll see if I have any more articles. Because I did want to talk about, again, when it came to side quests, this and Xenoblade Chronicles have a similarity in that it feels like the game wants you to do side quests rather than grinding monsters. So, hmm. I've thought about what do I feel about that. Um, but that's something I might write. I've been working on trying to write about the medium. Uh, but yes, I've updated my updated the blog. It's got blog entries, and you can sign on and comment on discuss as long as you have discuss, a, a discuss account. Or just um, have like Google. Or you, actually, no. You in. can you can you can comment as a guest. I have the ability to comment as a guest because nobody reads the blog anyway. But yeah, go to the blog ramblepack64.com. Just a K at the end of ramblepack. P A K. Um, check out what I've been writing, and hopefully, I'll keep writing more. And uh, Twitch.tv/ramblepack64. I'm playing through Resident Evil Seven after Salt and Sanctuary made me too salty. Um, you, so you should yeah. play The Messenger next. We already discussed this. I beat The Witcher 3. Now you got to either beat Breath of the Wild or Yakuza Like a Dragon. Have a good night. <laughs> Have a good night.